Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to come and fellowship you, Father, and fellowship with the body of Christ. Father, we thank you that everything done and said today will be to the upbuilding of the, your kingdom. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. So this lady lived in the city, and she decided she was going to become a farmer. And when she bought a little farm, um, the guy that sold it said, Sweetheart, the number one thing you have to worry about being a farmer is good dirt and good water. She said, Okay, no problem. So she decided, I don't know what I'm going to farm. I think I'm going I'm 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 to raise chickens. So she went to the guys that sold the chickens and bought a thousand baby chicks. And then two days later, she went back and bought a thousand baby chicks. And then four days later, she went back and bought a thousand baby chicks. And that guy said, Holy moly, I mean, I see people get into, you know, raising chickens, but you're really, really getting into this hard. And she was like, Yeah, but I'm doing something wrong. I can't figure out if I'm burying them too deep or I'm not watering them enough. <clears throat> Y'all don't be sad. No chickens were hurt in the, t- in the joke. Golly bum. Y'all know how hard that job is? From August, the last Sunday in August of 2018 till today, I have not told the same corny joke twice. And I have a list of censored jokes that they will not let me tell from the pulpit. It's difficult. <clears throat> Y'all laugh. It's funny. She was burying the little chicken. She didn't understand how they went. Um... It's bad when my kids won't even laugh. Riley gives me that ha, ha. Oh, man. It's tough. <clears throat> well, good. I'm glad y'all are laughing. This is not easy. This is not, this is not. Um. All right. So I want to preface this message. I, I, I really, I mean, and, 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 and Mr. Bill's right there and Michael and Linda and Daddy's gone and Thomas is back there. But if anybody in the board, Mr. Bobby's and wherever, um, has a discrepancy in this, and you know, we they can say, but I just wanted to, to preface this message that at no point in time does this church depend on you giving us money. Okay, we do, we operate on a tithe system, and our church tithes 10%. But I am not preaching this message because somehow we are not making ends meet and we don't have enough money to make the budget work. That is not the case. We have money in surplus, we give money to missions around the world. But this is an important message to hear as the body of Christ, and it's what God wants me to preach. So I just, you know, I understand if you're watching on Facebook or on TV or listening on Podbean, I'm not begging for money. We don't need your money. We got God's money. We don't need your money. However, the biblical principle of being a cheerful giver is what we're going to talk about, okay? So we're going to start off with that, and and we're going to go through what tithes mean and where tithes come from, you know. We could talk about some stuff, but I just want you to know, you know, you always hear, oh, that old preacher, he only wants your money. I, bro, I don't want your money. I didn't come here broke. I did, the church didn't come here broke, and, and we would we could be just fine. It's not, you do not, we do not tithe for the church to be able to do what it does. We tithe for the blessings of God to come on us. There is a difference, and there is a difference between... Um, Tithes and offerings, and then also another difference between just being a giver, right? I mean, because although give necessarily most of the time when you talk about giving somebody something, it's money, but in another sense, it's time, it's attention, it's respect, right? And so we're going to talk about money, but we're also going to talk about just when we give, it's giving back to us, okay? So we're going to go through some scriptures, 
Everything I'm going to say is biblical to the best of my ability. Um, you know, if I make a mistake, boy, y'all forgive me because I'm human and I'm not all that smart to start off with. So it kind of, you know, I'm, I'm handicapped, but I'm doing the best I can. So we go turn first to Romans 12 and we read Romans 12 last week, but we're going to read Romans 12 again because, you know, everybody wasn't here and some of y'all might not have been paying attention. So, so Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as we have one body with many members, these many, many members do not have the same function. So in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs to all the others. And we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Right? Everybody good? If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it's in, in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. And if it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do so diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Right? So these are actual gifts of the Spirit, right? That there are people who are supernaturally who are givers in our you know, prophets and our leaders and our teachers and our encouragers. And we talked about all of that stuff last week, right? But in the biblical sense, the Bible tells us that we are supposed to be um, to give and it will be given back to us. Press down, shake, let's read that. Luke, I think that's Luke, Luke 6. It, this is almost a sermon to where I want to read all the scriptures and then we go back and talk about all the scriptures in one accord. But, but if you will, Luke 6, um, 37, which is a verse in front of this. But all of this is in red, right? This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He's, he, he's trying to get everybody to understand. And he says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Verse 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So it, it's a, a worldly problem because sometimes we get tied up on the how much we give. And you know, God never said, you know, if you don't give $50 a week to the church, you're not a good Christian. That's not what he said. In fact, it was so... You individually, that he just gave a percentage, right? The Bible says the 10%, the first 10% of our fruit are to come into the storehouse, that there will be meat in my house, says the Lord, right? And I will open the doors of heaven and pour out the blessings, right? So the first 10% is to be given to the church. Then offerings go on top of that if it's more than 10%. Then what I'm talking about right here is given in, given into the community, Right? And because this right here, what Jesus is talking about, giving it to be given back to you, that's not necessarily talking about tithes and offerings. That's talking about giving to people. And you think, well, I ain't, nobody ain't never give me nothing. Well, if you went out in a cornfield and you planted corn seed and you watered it and you fertilized it, corn grows. And if you stand on the end of the cornfield and you don't plant any corn seed and you don't water and fertilize it, it don't grow. Now, how come is that? Well, you didn't put any seed in the ground. Now, you can pray and believe all you want that you're going to have a harvest of corn that's going to come into that field. But without seed, it's pretty near impossible. 
Not unless Mike Carr is driving down the road one day with his planter and notices your field ain't been planted and he finds it in the goodness of his heart to plant your field too. And then who does that harvest belong to? Mike Carr. Because your harvest belongs to you and your seed. Y'all don't have to be so quiet. I know this is tough. Your harvest comes from your seed. Your harvest don't come from other people's seed. You can't expect people, you can't expect God to bless you financially if you're not blessing people financially. And let me tell you, it is hard for me to stand, and it's going to sound backwards, it's hard for me to stand on the receiving end. It's really hard for me to take money from people. I've had people try to give me money before, and I go, I don't need your money. And then get chastised by the Holy Spirit. Are you going to stop them from being blessed? I'm like, oh, it's just true. So I'm going to take the blessing as I give it. But it is much more easy for me in my personality or who I am or in my love language or however you want to add it up and subtract it, that I'm a giver. I like to give. In fact, I probably present that love language the best, right? I love to give people things. I love surprises. I love to give people surprises. And it is amazing how when you work on a sermon all week and you don't have any, like, right now, right now examples, and then all of a sudden, you know, something happens, and then you have a right now example, and Savannah might turn beet red because this happened last night. We went to Sumner last night to go to Simpsons, and we went to Outback, and we goofed off a little bit, and Crystal said, I need a little something sweet on the ride home. I said, okay, I'll go in Walgreens. It's right there on the corner. If you're familiar with something, when we turn in to come back home, there's a Walgreens right there. So I ran in Walgreens. I said, Crystal, what do you want? She said, I don't know. Well, if they got this, I'll take that. If we got this, I'll take that. Whatever, it doesn't matter. So I ended up buying her three different kinds of candy. Why? Because I didn't know which one she wanted, and I wanted to make sure that my beautiful wife had exactly what she wanted. And I'm giddy. Because I spent $3.78 or whatever it is on three different kind of candy bars. Well, Savannah walked inside with me. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be husband of the year right here. $3 worth of candy is going to get me to the finish line. And as soon as Savannah's little narrow behind sat down in the car, he bought you three different kinds of candy bars. That thing made me mad. I mean, made me mad. I, my poor little surprise. And does it matter? No, not really. I mean, not really, right? It's not relevant. It doesn't matter. I mean, she still got to pick which candy bar she wanted, and she got exactly what she wanted. But I was mad with Savannah, and then Savannah said, I'm sorry I ruined your surprise. And I'm like, I get it. And in, in her world, she did not like, how can I, you know, submarine my dad and this cool surprise that he's worked out with these three candy bars. But it, it is in my personality, right? I love to, if I know something that, it, that you need or want or whatever, and, it, and it, most of the time it's silly, right? If I hear you say, ooh, I, man, I'll go, I love it. I don't know why, it's how God made me. But that's how we're supposed to be, right? Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver. Well, I was a cheerful giver right up until the second this event. said, he bought you three candy bars, and I was, have it all here. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> it fell apart. Why? Well, it was because I was in my flesh. I really shouldn't have been mad at Savannah at all. But, but, but we're supposed to be a cheerful giver. And in times, it's not always easy to give. And, and I'm going to tell you, um, I have had more times that the Holy Spirit's moved on me to go give somebody something when I didn't... Mm. 
Sometimes the appearance of it just didn't look right. You know, we have situations where the appearance just don't necessarily, and I go, God, if this is you, I want to give. And he says, this is me, go. And then I give them the money, and I go, well, I sure hope they didn't go buy booze with that. And then I go, you know what? I don't care what they bought with it. I did my job. I showed up and was a, I was sowing seeds into my reward and my harvest. I planted my seeds. If somebody else wants to do something bad with their stuff, that don't got nothing to do with me. I don't control y'all. I don't get to say what kind of car you drive or what kind of clothes you wear or what kind of house you live in. I'm not even a little bit. So if you want to spend your money on whatever, that's fine. If God tells me to give, I'm going to give. And, that, and that's really my job. I mean, before I became the pastor, as hard as that sentence is still to say, before I became this guy, my number one job was giving money. My, num- my number one job was giving money. Sometimes it was time, sometimes it was advice, sometimes it was scripture, sometimes it was listening, but most of the time it was money. And it was in different situations, and I didn't give money in some weird places. I walked up to people, ain't even had a conversation with them, didn't know they had a need, don't have nothing. Hey, God told me to give you this. And they go, huh? Yeah, I know it's weird. I, I understand, but God told me to give you this. But I want to be obedient, and I want to be sowing seed. I don't want to have a few piddly little seed in the ground and go, boy, I sure hope I get a little bit of rain where I can make an ear or two. I want it to feel full. I want it planted on the ends and on the sides. And I want it planted to the edge of the woods. I mean, if y'all don't farm, y'all don't really know that, right? But them, them farmer farmers, boy, they planted up against the woods. They were trying to get every ounce of good dirt. I want all of my good dirt covered with seed. I want to give into everything that we can give into. And see, our church, our church does a phenomenal job about that. And, and y'all go get some information, I think, at the an annual meeting, and I don't want to spoil all of that, but... We tithe, our church tithes in the missions around the world. And truthfully, I don't know that anybody human could see the ripples that our tithes and offerings have made around the world. Between Eddie Robertson and the live school to where they take the gospel into God knows where. doing I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and, and I don't know if y'all know, and I won't get any kind of detail, details to it, but, you know, Eddie can't be videoed, and Eddie and them are in some countries, you know, all around the world in some different places. But, but he told me one time that they went on a trip, and I'll, I'll leave the detail details out, but they went on a trip one time to, with the live school. And at that time, it was still, I think it was still DVDs. So they had a little briefcase full of DVDs. And they, like, Drove in a truck for like four or five hours, walked two or three hours, got on a boat for an hour, and they walked two or three hours. So they weren't real close to nothing. Nothing. And he said the whole time they're going down the river, he's thinking, why am I toting a box full of DVDs to nothing? There's nothing. Bushes and trees. He said they ended up in a little mud hut or a little hut with a mud floor with a solar panel on it and a little TV and a DVD player. They had batteries in there that the, the sunshine, the only way they had power was the sunshine fed those solar panels and their batteries ran that little TV. And inside of that building, they raised 10 pastors to go further. I didn't know, I mean, at some point in time, you can't be going further. You've got to be getting closer back to civilization. But to go further away from civilization to preach the gospel. Well, we're part of that. We're part of that ministry right here. Everybody that's ever tithed in this church, you're part of that ministry. And then we have a, a, a missions guy in the Philippines. 
It's second generation, right? If you're old enough and you've been here long enough to remember what the pink carpet looked like, you heard that guy speak one time, right? They actually came here. Mr. Ali actually came here and taught. I don't know if you understood him, but he came here and taught. And so we have pumped money into the Philippines for years and years and years and years and years. Second generation now. And then we also give in to Scott Hunter. And Scott Hunter, and you've heard him speak, he's been on all kinds of continents and all kinds of places and all kinds of crazy. The videos of them toting people in the back of the truck to camp meeting for them to get saved. Those big industrial giant wheel dump trucks with hundreds of people piled on top of it. How many of y'all climb up on the back of a truck to drive from here to God knows where to go hear somebody preach? I bet it's a short list. You'd have to really, 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 really think that guy could help you. And the truth is, is God's doing amazing things in the continent, in, in, in Asia, in India, in, in Egypt, and all over the world, right? Um, Eddie's talked about people that's been saved and just you know, Muslims and had a vision of Jesus and, and got saved out of nobody. Just, just, uh, just Jesus showed up and, and preached his own gospel. But we tithe into this house to have money to tithe into those houses. One of Karen Gary's really good friends has been on medical missions around the world. We've tied them to that ministry. We've paid for her airline tickets, and we paid for her travel, or we paid for her supplies, or whatever. They take brief—I mean, suitcases and suitcases full of medical supplies and different things into God knows where. Nowhere I want to go. We have a little guy in the pastors' conference, and he is a church planner, and he's been around the world, and he keeps harassing me about going. And I tell him, Satish, I'm going to tell you, man, God sent me to the saints in St. Stephen. Now, financially, we'd love to support you. Prayerfully, we're going to support you. I mean, in any way, shape, or form. But, but I belong here. When Caroline was a little, little, tiny girl, little, tiny girl, like, I mean, like Ann Hunter's size, like maybe not even two yet, she, <clears throat> I hope I can tell that. I don't know if I can tell it or not. She upset Crystal greatly. As we was talking to them about the Bible and different stuff, and Caroline started saying, Africa needs me. Bro, we need you in St. Stephen. We don't need you nowhere else. No, Africa needs I mean, she's this big. Africa needs me. Well, look here. They do. They do. They need the gospel. That guy in the pastor's conference, Satish, uh, he's a little tiny fellow. He's from India. And, and, and I'm just going to share a little bit of his testimony. But um, <clears throat> basically, they were starving to death. They were starving to death. Their whole, their whole community was starving to death. His cousin had just starved to death, who was about his age. And he was days away from starving to death based on what he thought. And some American missionaries showed up and said, We have food, and we're going to feed you, but we want to tell you about something first. And he said, look here, I don't care how smart you are. You're going to feed me. I'll take whatever you got. Because I've seen people starve to death, and I know what food means. And he actually, kind of like Jesus at the well, right? He actually had a miracle. When the guy finished speaking, he said he wasn't hungry anymore. And so he promised God right then that every day of his life he would spend, and I can't remember exactly what it is, but I think it's four hours in God's Word Praising and worshiping and reading his Bible before he'll take anything of food, no matter what. If he's flying out at 6 o'clock in the morning and he's got to be at the airport at 4 a.m., then he gets up at midnight 
to read his Bible and to, and to worship for his four hours before he does anything else in his day, every day of his life. And without the missions that American missionaries that came there to bring them food and to give them the, the good news and the salvation of God, he'd have starved to death. He is a tremendous man of God. <clears throat> I ask him because I'm prideful, right? And I, I'm, I'm, I am. I'm prideful. I, I know how many people were here last week. I know how many people are here this week. I, I'm praying over how many people's going to be here next week, right? And so Satish is a church planner. And I ask him, how many churches? How many churches are we talking about? He's like, I have no idea. I'm like, how, you have no idea? You have no idea how many churches you planted? I mean, how is that? I mean, I'm not talking about people that got saved. I'm talking about churches. He said, I don't know. But I know it's in over 70 countries. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's a bunch of children. I mean, I don't even, I, can y'all name 70 countries? I mean, I might could, maybe, if I sat down with a piece of paper and, and really spent some time on it, I might could name 70, I don't know. Not without Googling it. But the missions from the United States of America that were poured into that country was the reason that that guy got saved and the reason that he heard about Jesus and the reason that those churches are planted around the world but because somebody somewhere was putting tithes and offerings in a plate to produce the results that produced those results. You understand? You can't just say, well, I sure hope those people in Africa are doing good. Oh, okay. Well, what's it take? Well, it takes somebody on the ground. And I really think Eddie and them have a good idea, right? I mean, Eddie and them said it got to where there were some people that didn't have good intentions. And, and people got cautious of missionaries who just showed up. And so what did they do? They started going into the communities and raising 10 pastors. And then they would pray over it. And that guy would take the, the one of the 10 pastors would take it somewhere else. And they would raise 10 more pastors and then 10 more pastors and then 10 more pastors. I mean, you think about. How many people a pastor touches in a, in, a, in a week, in a month, in a year, and then say there was 10 of them, and then there was 10 more, and then there was 10 more, and there was 10 more? In every country you can name, plus a couple. That doesn't happen because, you know, everybody thought it was cool. It doesn't happen because, well, you know, I got a really good idea. It happens because people tithe in churches, and churches tithe in the ministry, and ministry went around the world. We also support the Gideons. And the Gideons take Bibles and put them all over the world. In hotel rooms, they used to give out New Testaments. I don't even know if they still try to give out New Testaments. I think that's kind of squished now. But, I mean, with technology now, the Bible is not as hard to come by as it once was. But still, if you go in a hotel room and you open a drawer, and there's a Bible sitting in there, Part of that's yours. If you've tithed in this church, part of that's yours. We've supported that ministry forever and ever and ever. Continue to do so. Right? So, you, you know, I think that it, a lot of times people get tied up into, you know, whatever. And, you know, the pastor or, or salary or the, the church grounds or the whatever. And, and that, is, that is, I mean, somebody paid the light bill, right? I mean, we paid the light bill, right? I mean, at some point in time, we pay light bills, too. And we pay insurance, all that stuff. But we also pay into those ministries and to pay into those missions. <clears throat> and look here, we done done that and we have surplus. We, we continue to, oh, wait a minute, that's one more. So there's another mission field that our church pays into a bunch. Our local community, we support our local community a bunch. 
a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. And I won't go into any of those details because you really don't. It's, it, it's, we support them a bunch. There are a lot of folks that have been touched by your tithes and offerings. A lot of people whose lights would have been cut off that didn't get cut off. A lot of people who have had um, really one of the biggest things we do is if you get burnt out in a fire and you live in this community, we give you money. We help you, right? We, we help you. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, and that's one of the, they say that's one of the worst things in the world is to lose your house in a fire. All your possessions are gone and all your stuff is gone. This church steps up first and says, hey, who is it? And, and let us get them some money, right? Whether that's for, and whether they have insurance or not, I don't care. Whether they have other stuff going on, I don't care. But we are trying to be the hands and feet of Christ, right? The hands and feet of Christ. All right. So, <clears throat> Let's go to um, let's go to Malachi. You know that's the last guy in the Old Testament before it got quiet for a little while. He talks about this too. Um, he does a pretty good job. Let's go to uh, Malachi chapter three. Uh, we'll start with verse six. I'm gonna read the whole thing. <clears throat> I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors have turned away from me, my decrees have <clears throat> not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Right? Remember we talked about the Old Testament, right? There's a if-then but. There's a lot of if-then buts, right? <clears throat> but you ask, how are we to return? We are mil- mere mortals. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? This is, this is Malachi talking back and forth with himself, right? From the version of the people to God. And God answered in the conversation, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse in your whole nation because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that there will be not enough room for you to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all of the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be in the delight of the land, says the Lord. Right? So, pests aren't showing up to eat our crops. Our crops aren't going to get destroyed, and they're not going to drop their fruit too early, right? Why? Why? Because we bring our tithes and offerings into the storehouse. Holy moly. <clears throat> wow, that's been 25 minutes. That was quick. Our tithes and offerings go into the storehouse. All right, I got to go to the next scripture for sure. Uh, um, uh, Gospel according to Mark. Uh, uh, chapter 12. Uh, and we're going to start with verse 41. And because and, and I, I, know, I, know I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I don't make the money that everybody makes. I don't do it. I'm not. And I look here. And to be honest, I don't know what you give. I don't handle the money. I don't know what you give. Right? I don't have a clue. But I know that we're supposed to be giving 10% of our tithes and offerings to the church. I give 10% of our, our wages to tithes and offerings in the church. Right? I don't know what you make. And, and so I want you to understand that this is not... Number one, this is not a value for the church. You're not, I'm not concerned on whether or not you're adding value to the church. Number two, it's not a monetary value. 
It's not. It's not a monetary value. 41. And Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put in and watched the crowd putting in their money into the temple, temple treasure. And many rich people threw in large amounts. Right? See, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. Watch all kinds of people throw in lavishing gifts. 42. But a poor widow woman came and put two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Actually, if you do it right now, what she put in is about a quarter of a penny. Today's rate. A quarter of a penny. A quarter of a penny. Now, I don't know how you cut pennies in quarters to get to where you get to a quarter of a penny. But that's what she gave. A quarter of a penny. Now they are putting gobs of money in in front of her. She gave a quarter of a penny. And calling his disciples, verse 43, to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow woman has put in more money into the treasury than all the others. Huh? And they gave out of, the, they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty and put in everything she had to live on. It's not about the amount. It's about the value. Man, I had a bunch more scriptures. So if you go back to um, King David, and King David said, I will not give God anything that didn't cost me something. I'm not talking about, we just, yeah, yeah, whatever. It, it is what it is. It, I, we might run over. So, a good example. Uh, we're associated with a couple of softball teams. Y'all know that, and I know y'all don't think softball fits, but just listen to me for a second. Right, we, we associate with a couple of softball teams. And one of those softball teams had the opportunity to be, or possibly have the opportunity to be, to be 100% sponsored. And if you don't know anything about playing travel ball, it costs a lot of money. I mean, there's tournament fees and, 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 and insurance and uniforms and bats and balls and the whole deal. I mean, it costs money. But we had the opportunity, or we're looking at an opportunity of having a 100% sponsored team. And, and I voiced my opinion. And, you know, I do that a lot. I don't know if y'all know me very well, but I sometimes voice my opinion, whether it's welcomed or not. And I actually cautioned against it. I cautioned against having a 100% sponsored team. Why? Because if you don't pay anything in on it, is it valuable to you? I mean, really... If you have everything's free, is it valuable to you? So let me back up. When your children don't pay for anything, is it valuable to them? Do they treat your car, your house, your stuff like it's valuable? No. Man, my first vehicle, and I paid for part of it, but mama helped me some. I spun the tires every time I could. If it would do it, I was spinning the tires. I was burning them down. A day like the day where it was cold and rainy, oh, boy. I was going to go around St. Stephen spinning the tires. Why? Because them tires didn't mean nothing to me. They didn't cost me nothing. And then all of a sudden, I bought my first set of tires. I worked like three weeks to pay for them sapsuckers. I didn't spend tires no more. Why? Because they were valuable to me. It meant something to me. Why? Because I had blood, sweat, and tears, and pain, and time involved in those tires. Why do I not want to have a free softball team? Because I want people to be in on it. I want them to be committed. I want their heart to be involved in it. Why do I want you to be tithed and properly in this church? Because I want you in on the deal. 
Number one is because the promises of God, right? And that's what's taking place. Number two is you really need to be part. I don't want you to feel like that this ain't part of yours. I don't want you to hear the stories of the, of the missionaries around the world and the miracles that are happening and the good news going on and go, well, you know, that's my church, but it ain't really my, my church. You know, it ain't my, my church. It should be. We should be tithing into this storehouse. We should be putting in on what we're in. You know, everybody bought a light bulb. Pick a light bulb. It'd be your light bulb. But I mean, everything here, we pay for. We never, we never borrowed any money, right? In fact, that was granddaddy's number one rule when he started. He said, we ain't, raising, we ain't borrowing no money, and we ain't having no kind of fundraisers. We're going to bring up a church that is taught to tithe, and the church is going to tithe. And you go, eh, I don't know if that's right or not. Well, I can tell you in the middle of a pandemic, it has not changed. Our church did not miss a tithe, and we still are tithing. And everything is still going forward. God's word is true. I don't care. And you can like it or don't like it, or you can say, well, I'm just about the money. I promise you, I am not. (laughs) It don't make no difference to me whether you tithe here or you don't tithe here. I can tell you for you, you need to tithe. You have to tithe. I can't even imagine the idea of what it would look like if I didn't tithe. I, I can't say that, look here, my business, my, my business survived 2008, 2009 economic shutdown. 2009, as a general contractor, I did $48,000 worth of work. I didn't make $48,000. I did $48,000 worth of work. Now, you figure out how to run a business that the insurance costs $10,000 then, and the profit margin is less than 10%. How you make a living off of $48,000? You don't. If we wouldn't have been faithful tithers into this church, there's no way, shape, or form my business would have survived. Would have survived 16 either, or 2015. No way we survived 2015. We saw in unbelievable difficulties in that time frame unbelievable we never stopped why it ain't because we're that smart i promise you because we'd make a lot more money if we were smarter i I believe but we tithe and that principle has brought us through stuff that where people of my business size and shape they didn't make it in this pandemic we haven't been shaken. Why? Not because we're that smart, I promise. Because we put our trust in God and we tithe. As, as you as an individual, I don't understand, I cannot, be, no, i, I got to say it right. If I was advising you as a young couple or, 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 or as, a, as a first job, in fact, i really been working on trying to get the twins a job. Not really, but kind of, sort of, right? I'm, I'm thinking about hiring them as Ballantine Builders and making them sweet floors or whatever. Anyway, but I don't really care that they work necessarily. I mean, I want them to work and earn money, but I want them to have that. When I was 13 years old and I went to the hardware store working for Uncle Chip, and I was making $2 an hour cash, big dog, baby. I made a $100 bill the week after Hugo, a $100 bill. I worked 50 hours. The first thing, as soon as that money touched my hand, my mama told me 10% of that belongs to the church. First and foremost, regardless of what else takes place. Well, I got bills, so I don't care about bills. 
I don't really have bills. 10% of that money belongs to the church. And it hasn't moved. It hasn't changed at all. Not at all. Before anything else happens, that first 10% goes to church, period. Why? Well, why? Because I believe it's a biblical principle. Why? Because it's in God's Word. Why? Because my mama told me when I was, I was pretty, I wasn't much shorter than I am now. I, I probably was skinnier. It was probably the only difference. 13, I don't think I grew much after 13. But at, at 13, when I got my first paycheck, the first thing I did was tithe. And that's crazy, but it's not. Because we knew that that's what was important. And here again, I don't need your money. Church don't need your money. You need to tithe. You need the blessings of God. You ha- I don't know how you, if you're not tithing right now, I don't know how you survive this long. But I'm going to tell you, if you want God's blessings on you and God's favor on you, there's one guaranteed biblical principle, and it is give, and it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, will men give into your bosoms, and when it's running over. And it doesn't come from anything else other than giving. I got a couple more scriptures. We ain't going to make it. Um, tithing doesn't get talked about a bunch. Why? Because it has a stigma on it, and people think that I'm just after your money, and I'm not. I, don't care. I, I really, I could care less. If you don't ever give another penny to this church, good for you, we're going to tithe. Two is, you don't want people to, you know, come here and go, oh God, he's talking about money again. I mean, in fact, I don't think I've ever, I think maybe one time in my history have I preached on tithing. But I don't know, God told me we was preaching on tithing, so we're preaching on tithing. I usually avoid this like the plague if I can help it. But it's important biblical principle to support your church with your tithe. And if you don't like me or this church, then whatever church you do like, support them with your tithe. It's for you. It's not for God. God don't need your money. You think God needs your money? He used gold bricks for pavers. He don't need your money. <laughs> he knows where all the oil is, all the gold is, all the silver is, all the natural gas is. He put it here. He knows where all of that's already at. His economy is perfect. He just wants you to have a part. Because you can't reap the harvest of something that you refuse to put in any seed. It ain't going to grow. It, it won't. It won't grow. If you don't plant any seed... I tell you what, go to your house, clean up a little spot on the ground. Don't plant any seed and see what happens. And ask it for some tomatoes and some cucumbers or some corn or some whatever you want in that little piece of ground that you don't plant any seed in. It don't work out so well. All right? So we have to tithe. It's a biblical principle. Biblical principle. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you for your blessings that you, you cover us, Father, that, that you will protect us and rebuke the devourer against us when we tithe, Father. And we just give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. I forgot we had to do stupid communion. <laughs> well, I ain't that late. It was long, but Michael was short, so we'll be all right. All right. Thomas, I'm off, right? I don't want none of this crazy. <clears throat> All right. So, we're going to do our communion. Everybody got it? Anybody need help? Please say you do if you do. So, it's a little tiny thin piece on the top, right? And it comes all the way back, right? And then you get that delicious piece of 
wafer right there. All right. 